I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I went to our, our local Catholic bookstore the second week or so of Advent last year. And I, I wanted to go because I needed more Advent candles. I'd, you know, burned down the ones from the year before at that point already and figured, oh, probably everything is on sale. So, I, you know, I'll get a good deal on a pack of Advent candles. Spoiler alert, I put them in the attic at the end of Christmas last year and they proceeded to melt down into this, what looked like purple and pink beef jerky. So I had to buy some new ones this year anyway. I digress. I, I get to the, the store to find the Advent candles on sale, like I thought, and all of the nativity stuff, like all the Christmas decor, which I thought was a little bizarre. You know, second week of Advent, you should still have everything full priced. I guess they were just trying to move some inventory. And there was this absolutely gorgeous, like 27 inch nativity set. And what was so distinct about it was four pieces. The Holy Family was one statue and then the three wise men. But the Holy Family was in a, a different posture than normal. See, typically your Holy Family images have Mary holding the infant child, Jesus, and Joseph kind of standing protectively behind her, which is utterly beautiful. I think back in the second week, we talked about these images of St. Joseph often extending his hands in really lovely ways to protect or to, to bring into an embrace, to fend off, to, to illustrate and show. But this particular nativity set had Joseph sitting and he's holding the child, Jesus. And Mary is kind of standing lovingly behind him, looking down. And, and I imagine, you know, looking down at her husband, whom she loves, and this child that they will be raising together. And I was so struck. I mean, I, I, was, I was so struck by the beauty of it. I immediately think to myself, oh, it's probably like four or $500. It's four separate statues at 27 inches a piece, right? Like, and it's Roman, the St. Joseph Studio brand. Like, this is going to be pricey. And then I, I pick up the Holy Family and I flip it over and it's like marked down to $125. And so I think, oh, the Holy Family is $125. And then the manager of the store says, no, no, the whole set's $125. And I looked at him and, and I did the one thing you're probably not supposed to do in retail. I was like, do you know that this like retails for a lot higher online? And he said, I know, but it's been sitting here for a couple of years. So, you know, we just got to get rid of it. So I buy it. Like didn't even think twice about it. I bought it. And then I get it home and I think to myself, okay, where am I going to put these four 27 inch statues, like they're two feet tall. Like, where am I going to put these? They're not going to fit on my mantle. They're not for outside. I can't put them on my dining room table. And I think to myself, I'm going to put it by the fireplace right next to the Christmas tree up on the, the fireplace ledge. My husband gets home from work that afternoon and he sees it. And the first thing he says was, that's beautiful. I've never seen Joseph holding Jesus. And I said, yeah, that's what I was so struck by. And he said, but also the kids are totally going to break that. And I said, well, they're like resin. So they're not ceramic. They're not glass. You know, they're not going to, like they fall off the ledge. They're not going to, they're not going to shatter into a gazillion pieces. And he said, yeah, but still <laughs> we should probably watch what happens when they see them. And the girls eventually come into the living room and they see this beautiful nativity set that I've scored on this massive deal. And they loved it. They loved it. Now here we are a year later, and the first thing I set out as we were putting up all of our Christmas decor and Advent decor was this, what we affectionately call the jumbo nativity set that mommy bought for a massive deal. And the same thing happened. The girls kiss baby Jesus. They hug Joseph and Mary. 
Rose arranged the three wise men to kind of guard the presents under the Christmas tree. It reminds us throughout the entire season of Advent of the Holy Family, keeping ourselves fixed on the joy and the revelry of, of all of the, the gift giving and the, the celebration and the partying and the seeing of friends and family, but right smack dab in the center of our home with all of the Christmas and Advent stuff surrounding it is this image of the Holy Family and these three wise men coming to adore the newborn king. And an image of the Holy Family that, that shows the tenderness of Joseph and the, the doting love of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the simplicity and humility and, and wonder of the child Jesus. This whole Advent journey of, of walking through learning about ourselves, the healing that we need to do, the healing within our family, the healing of past wounds, hopefully the love that can grow within our hearts and within our homes as we behold the goodness of God who makes himself small and tiny, an infant coming into this world, the mystery and the majesty of the incarnation. I think one of the things that we can intentionally do in this final week of Advent is really reflect upon that that gift of the family, that God came into the world in a family, that he allowed himself to be made small and dependent in and upon a family, and that we and our families, whatever those families happen to look like, that we can pursue holiness, that we can pursue healing, that we can behold the goodness of God within our families. And as we mapped out this season, I, I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to about this, about pursuit of holiness within the family than two of my very favorite people, Rachel and her husband, Jason, who is a deacon. So Rachel and Deacon Jason Bullman, they have an amazing gaggle of children. They write and they speak and they obviously minister together as, as a deacon family, as it were. And it was a, a real delight to get to sit down and chat with them for this final episode of our Ave Explorers Advent series on the gift, the beauty, the majesty, the wonder of the Holy Family. Deacon and Rachel, I feel like that's like the way you have to start it, right? Welcome <laughs> totally is. to Ave Explorers. It's great to see you guys. You too. Yeah, Thanks you for having too. us. I kind of wish Tommy was here and we could like double date this podcast. I think Aww, that'd be, that would be so great. Yeah, would be let's, cool. do, let's plan that. One of these days we're going to come out to Disney when I can afford it. And we're going to just come crash with you guys for like a few hours, if that's Sounds okay. Good. I'm inviting myself over now. Tell us who you guys are, where you are, what you do, how you took time to do this interview on a random weekday. I, you know, tell us who you are. All right. Jason and Rachel Bowman. We've been married for what? 14 years 14 now. Years. December 20th. We have six kids. One did pass away. And so he so prays for us. He prays for us. That's Carol. And uh, I work as a physician assistant. I've been doing that for almost as long as we've been married in orthopedic surgery. What he, else? he was slightly ordained to the diaconate. So he has this uh, yeah, a, a a minor deacon. change to his. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there yet. Yeah. So he was ordained to the diaconate in June. Yep. So he's a baby deacon. I'm a baby deacon. <laughs> six months in and it's been awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Whole new facet to our life now. Rachel and I have actually always kind of been in ministry ever since we were married. Even before we were married, we were doing young adult ministry. And so it really didn't introduce like a huge change into the dynamic. Just maybe the type of ministries that we mm -hmm. do has changed. And so, yeah, we have I would consider a very happy, beautiful life. Yeah. Full life. It seems so. I mean, I watched the TV show and I was like, they are just 
they are you are the Chip and Joanna Gaines of my heart in the Catholic world, <laughs> and I say that very fondly because I I love the Gaineses. I y'all had an Advent wedding. December twentieth is Advent. Yes, we did was that we on did. purpose? Definitely not. <laughs> okay, Definitely okay. not. No, we we actually were planning to get married the following year, but oh, he had okay. a break because he was in medical school, yeah. so he had a break. And we looked at each other and I said, "Why not?" And he Just goes, "Yeah, it. why not." So there you go. So, I mean, the church was probably like partially decorated. Lots of poinsettias in those pictures, I imagine. Lots of poinsettias, (laughs) even in the rehearsal hall, like where we had the reception. We didn't have to do a lot of decorating either. So I feel like Santa should have come to the reception and like danced with you. That would have been (laughs) next next level cheese. Well, I I, I love that, that, you know, your family started close to really the the birth of the Holy Family. So I sit down before all these interviews and I like come up with questions and I consider myself fairly good at asking good questions. Like I take great pride in that. And I literally wrote down the Holy Family dot, dot, dot thoughts, question mark. Like I like, <laughs> I don't even know how to ask the question. What does the Holy Family mean to you? How do you as a family in 2022 in a very divided and secular world and sometimes even a very divided church, how do you try to be a holy family that emulates the holy family. Let's start to kind of dig into that together. What are some of those principles that y'all try to instill in your kids that we can all reflect on in this fourth week of Advent? Yeah. So for us, it looks a little different for us Mm because Jason is a deacon. He also works in the world. I do a lot of public ministry, but then our children are also in public schools Mm -hmm. And then we are very involved in the church. So on the weekends, you'll see our boys on the altar and you'll see me corralling all the kids in, in the <laughs> in the pew, Jason sometimes on the altar, me sometimes cantering with the choir. So you see us in these places, but trying to trying to figure out how that works into the world has been a really unique and beautiful thing to do together. And really it's giving our kids the lens of the incarnation and what happened within the Holy Family to then frame out their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And so that that becomes the standard, not whatever the world tries to tell them when they're not with us, Mm -hmm. but for them to be able to then see what happened in the Holy Family is then something that happens in our homes all the time. Mm -hmm. That Christ is birthed over and over again within within our love for one another. Uh, That's a great phrase, birthed within our home. It's, you know, it's the birth, but this is a consistent thing that we celebrate. It always makes me think of that one quote from Chesterton, that there's nothing more extraordinary than mm-hmm. an ordinary man and his ordinary wife and their ordinary children. Mm-hmm. And and the kids know it, you know, like Christ's presence in our life is just a given. It's it, They know that it's dad's top priority. They know that it's mm-hmm. mom's top priority. Prayer is essential. And dad is preparing for homilies and mom is practicing her cantering throughout the week to prep for that. It's just, it's a beautiful way to see Christ, again, be birthed sort of over and over again each day. And we're all working on our own specific healings Mm -hmm. and each kid has their own thing going on. Of course, it's not a perfect scenario, Mm -hmm. but I think Christ loves the the messiness, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's holiness found in that ordinariness that I, I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice in, you know, public Catholic worlds of, oh, it has to be this way or it has to look that way or you have to do it in this particular. I, the the argument Tommy and I had recently, not not even really an argument, it was just kind of this ongoing discussion in our home was these absolutes that sometimes we embody as a family, oh, we will always do this or we will never do that. And that just all kind of flies out the window when you're in the particulars of parenting in the day to day and you have to look at each individual kid and 
love them in that very specific way. How have Mary and Joseph and their particular parenting, and, and Sister Miriam has walked through, you know, Mary is healer and Joseph is protector, and then that wonder of the child. How, as each child has come along, as each child has had specific challenges or struggles or joys and gifts and successes, how do y'all discern okay, when to introduce these things or when to talk about that particular thing or how is a family to navigate, okay, this kid likes to pray this way and that kid needs, to, you know, some time over here. How do y'all How do y'all discern that together at the end of the day when everybody's hopefully sleeping and it's just the two of you kind of sure. processing? What does that look like? <laughs> well, honestly, I think that it's a gift of the sacrament of marriage. Mm-hmm. When, when I think two people authentically put the other in front of, ourself mm-hmm. that that kind of dynamic results in in sort of a flourishing within our spiritual life and i don't know it's it's sort of intuitive at that point i mm-hmm. think as to like you know what each in particular child is, happens to be struggling with like rachel will point out like hey did you notice this or that the other that gabriel said or and and we're both usually on track with that but I, I mean, I don't think there's any method to it. I think it's more of just a spiritual it's a, life. And it's a it's a readiness, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I was thinking about the fact that the catechism even says that the that holy orders and matrimony are the only two sacraments that are there to give grace to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. the other sacraments are usually for the grace <clears throat> of the receiver, given to the person that receives. But those two sacraments are endowed upon the couple, endowed upon the priest or the deacon. And then those are for the life of the world. They're for the great grace to be overwhelming and given to other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that from within our marriage, that grace overwhelms and then it flows into our children. And we have to always have this, I mean, Advent's about being awake and ready, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to have this, this habit of being ready, this habit of being awake because our kids, they keep us on our toes. Every person that I've ever met that has had the audacity to be a teacher, the audacity to be a parent, in some way, raising children, children make you holy. Mm -hmm. And so they change everything. Mm -hmm. And in that moment that everything changes, you have to be ready to move with whatever that change is. And so I'm always, I feel like I'm always attuned to what they're saying, what they're, what they're, the movements of their, their facial expressions, the the way that their, their affect is after school, at the beginning of school. Mm -hmm. And trying to pick out, you know, where's the Holy Spirit trying to ask me to sharpen? Where's the Holy Spirit trying to ask me to remind them of who they are? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, call out this gift that, that God has given them. Yeah. And it's always in this habit of just being ready, being awake, mm-hmm. not falling asleep yeah. on this duty. So, yeah. And I think just accepting each child as a gift, mm-hmm. unique, precious, unrepeatable, not having any sort of preconceived notions on what they should be mm-hmm. or, you know, comparing your child either to each other or right. amongst other. You know, what's been a big phrase with us is just reality as given, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, any as soon as you start to go into sort of like a fantasy where I wish it was this situation, I wish it was that, well, God's not found there. That's that's hypothetical. That's fantasy, you know? So there's always something for you as mm-hmm. a Christian in any situation. And so it's so easy to fall into that trap. But I think that if, you're, if your eyes truly are on your kids and on your spouse and willing the good for them and accepting the reality that that is there and, no, and noting that Christ is there with you in mm-hmm. every 
aspect of your life, then it's easier to develop this habit of picking up on like, okay, what's what's each kid struggling with? Where are they thriving? What are their talents? I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Rachel and Jason Bullman. I wanted to take a quick second and tell you about today's sponsor, Live Liturgically. You've heard me talk about this amazing company before that brings together the beauty of the church and our family life. How appropriate in today's episode. Now, the rhythms of the church and family life, they can really, when lived together, they can complement and build upon it and reinforce one another. And so we bring the celebrations of the church into our family and, and we need to keep it organized, as it were, to understand, okay, what's coming next? What's coming down the pipeline? What are we eating for dinner this week? When are we going to mass? What feast days are we, are we celebrating? And so Live Liturgically has created this beautiful project, the Liturgical Family Wall Planner. I use it every single day. It's up on our fridge right next to the coffee pot. It's got a memorable quote at the top from the Sunday's Gospel, which kind of gives you a focal point and a theme for the week. It has a space for a gratitude list and for your prayer intentions, the meal planning section, a reminder about the liturgical week and the color of the current church season, a place for a grocery list, a a place for a to-do list, a section to plan that Sunday mass time, free space to write down all your different family's responsibilities, where you're going. I love it. My husband loves it. My kids know that mommy's going to go look at the calendar to make sure we know what's coming next. You can find a link down in our show notes to their website, along with an exclusive discount code for Avi Explorers listeners. This is the thing to add to your family's year. As 2023 sneaks up on us as we end this fourth week of Advent and, and we launch ourselves into Christmas, this is the perfect help for you to, to really be able to live liturgically with your family. So we're grateful for Live Liturgically for sponsoring us, and we hope you check out their amazing products. All right, let's get back to this conversation with Rachel and Jason. Sister Miriam talks about in the book about how sometimes in our families, especially around the holidays, there's this desire to change or like this desire to, I want them to act this way. I want them to do this thing. I want them to to behave in a particular way. And the temptation is stronger around the holidays because I think you're, you're together more, especially if kids are off of school. But then there's also this past hurts or you're reminded of them or something doesn't go in the particular way that you had expected. And so those expectations, you know, you're let down. And so then you just kind of fester in that, that woundedness. And I feel like in family life, especially in, in today's world, on the one hand, we're like the world of therapy. So everybody's going to therapy and everybody's working on their healing. And it's like the buzzword of the moment. But then on the flip side, there's also this, oh, no, no, no. Like my suffering's not as bad as that person's over there. So I don't need to handle it. You know, and as mom and dad bringing children into the world, the gift that they are, sometimes we have stuff to deal with and like within our own families. And so how have y'all navigated, if you want children to be healed, if you want a family that is healed, if you want this holy family, you yourself have to be whole. How did y'all deal with that in the earliest days of marriage? How have y'all walked through those journeys of healing within your family together? What, What does that look like? Yeah, we have so many stories as far as that's (laughs) concerned. I mean, and especially actually walking through the diaconate, because that's Mm -hmm. one thing when you go through formation is like they strip you bare. And so all those things that you want to keep hidden come to the light. And so it was very helpful in that way. But even before that, as far as Rachel and I in our own personal life, one of the stories that actually Rachel loves to tell because we each came in, uh, you know, obviously with our own stuff. And I, I would like it if you would tell that one. Oh, the, my vulnerability story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I have a huge issue with vulnerability. I did when we first got married. I think most people that have heard me speak now know that Mm -hmm. I probably don't have that problem anymore. (laughs) But whenever we first got married, right, I was dealing with my mom having kidney disease. So Mm -hmm. she had actually, she had struggled with kidney disease and eventually took her life in 2017. And then towards the end, her final kidney, like kidney transplant was finally shutting down. So she was not going to have any functioning kidney, was going to have to go into dialysis several times a week. And I was just shattered because I knew at that moment, this is going to be it. Like we're in the final years of her life. And so I had to tell Jason because I needed to go and see her and I wanted someone to come with me. And when I went in to tell him, you think it's something so simple just to go in and say, well, mom is sick. And I went into him and I said, I need to tell you something. I need you to turn around. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, no, you can't look at me while I tell you this. So I need you to turn around. And he humored me, thank goodness. And he turned around. And I just told him, but I, it wasn't until last year, actually, when we were filming Meet the Bullmans and we were filming that episode, it didn't make it into the cut. But one of the things that I said to him was that in that moment in, in prayer now, I realized that the reason why I didn't want him to look at me was because I thought he was going to see an orphan. Mm. You know, I was going to see this, this woman whose mom is dying, who is now alone and well, now he sees me for who I truly am, you know, in my own mind. And it was through his love that was so beautiful. You had the podcast with Dr. Bob Schutz on healing. And I keep telling, I've told him this probably once a week now. I'm like, gosh, that line from Dr. Bob Schutz about- He's genius, yeah. Oh my gosh, he's a genius. But about the fact that when there's love there, when there's a surplus of love, that's when healing can occur. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we found each other and we were able to have this surplus of love to see within ourselves and within each other's eyes who we really were, we're able to provide that healing for one another through the grace of God. Mm-hmm. But it's different for both of us. We had totally different upbringings. You know, I, my parent, I was adopted when I was two weeks old. Mm-hmm. My parents got divorced when I was 10. They both got remarried. Mm-hmm. Both of my brothers have been divorced and remarried. And then Jason, his parents have been married his entire life. They're going on on 35 years, mm-hmm. you know, and so our upbringings are different, but we both still have healing mm-hmm. that's required. Yeah. It's just that some of mine is a little bit more obvious mm-hmm than some of his. Mm -hmm. And so unearthing it, actually it going into our 14th, 15th year of marriage, unearthing that is it's interesting, you know, like for me, you could just kind of use like the brush, you know, like if they're digging Mm -hmm. for fossils, you're just brushing (laughs) away the particles and Jason's like, we're digging because it's deep and, but it's still there, but it's just trying to unearth where they are and Mm -hmm. and how they happen in our lives. But they usually always come back to the same place Mm -hmm. of being reminded that we're loved, Mm -hmm. that we'll never be left alone and that we're always going to be provided for. And that seems to be always the core lies that, that the enemy tries to shroud in other things. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that I, I I did not actually know that part of your story as many times as we've talked and as as many times as (laughs) I've, I've interviewed you. One of the things that was revealed in our, our we we did marriage counseling, just a few sessions. I think every couple should go through that. The mm-hmm. um the therapist said, you know, the the fight that you keep going back to consistently, like over and over again, and everybody's got that vulnerable spot, and so your spouse knows exactly where to poke because you know each other better than anybody else. He said he he said that that fight that you consistently go back to is where your deepest wound probably actually is mm. because it's it's the picking at the scab because you know that it's not fully healed, so it's a little itchy. 
And so you kind of keep right. going back to it over and over again to almost like try to figure out, okay, can I make the scab better in this different way? And it's kind of a gross analogy to think about like picking at this, but, <laughs> but we do that. We do that in our, our you know, yeah. like if I flare up and, and yell at my kid over a particular thing, it's, it's usually because, okay, I'm overstimulated and being overstimulated as a child was something I didn't know how to handle. And so, you know, it's just like, it always kind of circles back around. And as moms and dads, as parents within our families, we have to kind of figure out how to navigate that for the, the better of that next generation for the holiness within that home. I, I feel like the line here is a holy family is a healed family yeah. or a healing family because we're never actually fully done with it. So let's pivot into Advent then. Advent is a season, I think a lot of people just kind of, oh, purple, pink, get ready for Jesus. But right. like Sister Miriam has really been leading us into, no, no, this is not just candles and putting out Santa stuff. Like it's this opportunity to dredge up and put new soil down so that something beautiful can grow when the Lord arrives. What does right. Advent look like in the Bullman home? How do y'all make this real for your kids? How do you help them pull up the weeds of their heart kind of at the end of the physical calendar year, but the beginning of the new liturgical year? What's it look like for you guys? We do ask them to, to pray about giving something up or mm. taking something on during Advent. And it's really cute because our eight-year-old, no, he's not eight anymore. He's 10. How many kids do I have? The <laughs> 10-year-old, he, he came into us the other night and he said, I think I want to pray morning, evening, and Aww, night prayer. Like the literature of the said, hours. I know. Oh, that's so great. Like, yeah, I can't pray during the day. And so even last night, it was kind of a late night. And he came in and he said, he went to Jason and he said, well, have you prayed evening prayer yet? Because I know you have to, mm -hmm. but I now have to, too. And I want to be able to pray with oh, you. Oh, that's so great. That's a future <laughs> priest so, right there. I'm calling it I now. Know, in, 20 years, in 20 years, we'll have the follow-up episode at his organization. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just making note of it now. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> but so those kind of things. And then we don't, we slowly bring out any decorations. Mm. The other tradition that we have is we have a little nativity scene that the, the Jesus in the manger, the child that's going through first communion or the next one in line because next year we won't have someone going through first communion it'll be the year after that but they get to hide baby jesus oh that's nice thankfully no one has forgotten where they <laughs> where baby, baby jesus, jesus. Yes. <laughs> yes. Have to, like yeah. write it on a slip of paper and tape it in a special <laughs> spot so you don't don't forget <laughs> they take care of baby jesus until Aww. christmas morning and then they're able to bring jesus out to join the holy family there and then we, of course, do the lighting of the candles and mm -hmm. do prayers, especially when we get to the O antiphons, the kids. It's so funny every year. I think I think that they have a, a bittersweet relationship with singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, how many times can uh, we yeah, sing this song? Yeah, I, I may or may not have made a joke in the Hallow family mass prep in the second week of Advent about how much I don't like that song. That <laughs> may or may not have gotten us some hate mail. I think it might be the first time we've ticked off the listenership of that particular show. But I'm okay with that because week three, we made a bunch of Mean Girls references. So I think we want everybody's hearts back. But <laughs> yeah, best. we need some more Advent songs. Like I feel like that's a, some some liturgical musician out there in the world. Some millennial needs to get on that. Yes. Somebody. <laughs> is it ever hard? Like, I feel like every time I walk into Target, my kids are just overwhelmed by not, yeah. I, I don't even say the consumerism of Christmas because that's always been there. That's been there since we were kids. But just like the stuff that right. you almost kind of feel the pressure to both like liturgical living stuff that you have to do, but then also just like the, the you know, there's how many parties at school and how many activities that you could possibly go to and how many gifts that need to be bought. How do y'all balance that with your kids and with yourselves? Well, What's funny about that is that one of our best friends is a priest and he, he's always harping about like Advent, you know, not mm -hmm. Christmas yet. And uh, which, of course, he's right. And I mean, 
I just preached a homily this last Sunday, you know, about that. But at the same time, I get the struggle, you know, mm-hmm. like there's this big tension there to give in to because uh, let's be honest, we all love Christmas. Yeah, I we mean, love it. It's amazing. I mean, it's like heartwarming that the songs are awesome. And so what's the balance between, you know, trying to trying to put that off for a little while to sort of enter into, you know, some time of waiting, you know, and, and in order to build up your spiritual life, mm-hmm. but then also to not be like, you know, super negative yeah. towards the kids and not, not do anything like, don't, we can't sing those songs yet. Yeah. And you don't want to be a Grinch. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. I, we, <laughs> um, I told my husband the other day, I, I'm giving into the whimsy. It doesn't mean that we're like doing it all right away, but I, I bought an um, animatronic Santa that climbs a ladder and I, I couldn't help myself. It was it, like, so the, the girls loved it. And I was like, you know what? I don't think baby Jesus would be mad about this. Like I, right. I just, like that was my question to myself. Would Mary roll her eyes at me putting this by the tree? I don't think yeah. she would. I think she would delight in that. So yeah, there is that tension that's there, you know? Well, I, Ratzinger, actually, I was reading a book from Pope Benedict XVI and he was just emphasizing how beautiful Advent slash Christmas is and this renewed sense of hope and joy and especially within the context of the family and the family has this image of of the Trinity and all that kind of stuff. And so anything that sort of gets you into that place, mm-hmm. I think is okay. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. We try not to like put the Christmas lights out mm-hmm. and all that stuff until Christmas because it's true. We just know? have a giant plant. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we actually, water that big plant. <laughs> we tried doing the purple lights thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Have you done that? Well, I I researched intensely and I got vetoed by my husband who puts the lights up. He said these look weird, and I was like, they, they do kind of look weird. I'm I, I'm happy to admit we put our Christmas lights up Veterans Day because Tommy had off and it was 75 yeah. degrees outside and it felt so bizarre. But we had them up. I mean, weeks before the rest of the neighborhood, and the girls were so excited, and I, it was just like this moment of okay. Like, and so ex- like wanted to pull the advent wreaths out right away. And it was like, guys, they don't start until December 1st. Like we can't open right. up these little drawers just yet. <laughs> we, we have quite so, but they were it like the, and it was purely a practical thing. He had a day off. The weather was nice. And then it rained right. for like two weeks. So I'm really glad we did it when we did. But yeah, there's like this, if Ratzinger, I read, I have it sitting right over there. His Jesus of Nazareth, the infancy narratives yeah. is my, that's always my week four of advent read. And we get a full week this year. Like we get a proper yeah. four week, fourth week of advent. <laughs> We could keep going, but the editor always gets mad at me if I keep keep the banter too long. And so I want to ask, you know, if you could go back to you guys on that that December 20th, moments before you get married oh, and, and give yourself a uh, small people, you know, like like the ghost of Christmas past and uh, or the go- you're the ghosts of Christmas future. And you go back to your your lo- our advent future and, and you go back to your your almost married selves and you get to give a piece of advice about raising a holy family and and making a home holy and healing and all of this stuff that we've talked about, what would that piece of advice be? Like, how would you encourage yourself? Can I, can I put a twist on it? Of course, please do. I would like to give. Oh, you'll go to each other. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And so Jason, 20 years ago, my advice to Jason as, as the Joseph of our holy family, Mm -hmm. and I think would be the same advice to give to any man that is the Joseph of their holy family would be to always remember how valuable you are to us, Mm -hmm. that you protect us, that you provide for us, and that there's no one else that could be their father. And that the fact that they run to the door, I mean, they're going to run to the door for the rest of their lives, Mm -hmm. and there's no greater joy 
than that, like daddy's home. And I think that, you know, 15 years ago, when we're standing at the altar, you would have been blown away by the little people that adore you today and will adore you forever. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to like step away for a second. Just let y'all, <laughs> let y'all affirm each other and then I'll come back. <laughs> that was beautiful. And you're right. That is a great thing to tell. I think every man who sometimes mm-hmm. maybe feels that, am I doing anything? You know? Right. Mm-hmm. What would you say Sorry, to her? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would tell you that I'm never going to leave you. That's rude. <laughs> That's a good one, though, right? I'm here. <laughs> I'm never going to leave you. You'll never be abandoned. And, you know, that we're going to have amazing children <laughs> and we're going to be a shining example for them. And, you know, that you are going to be the nurturer of mm-hmm. this family. So, yeah. That's pretty good advice. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great. Again, <laughs> marriage podcast from the Bullmans coming soon. I'm like, <laughs> like hankering to listen to it. Uh, where can we follow you guys? Where can we uh, read the great things you write? Rachel, you have a brand new book out. I'm assuming, Deacon, you should uh, record your homilies and post them online. I, I mean, they're super easy to uh, to do that. Where can we find you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so Jason is on Instagram, although he's about as active as our children who are not on Instagram. <laughs> he's the plant. He's the Instagram plant. He's the right? plant. We're watering <laughs> him. I admit that openly. <laughs> So if you want to hang out with him and me, you can follow me on Instagram, <laughs> Rachel Bullman. And I'm a little active on Twitter and rachelbullman.com. You can find out about the book and other things that are coming up and just stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for taking the time with us. Thank you. One of the things I'm always so struck by in getting to chat with Rachel and Jason is how they have a, a focus on Jesus. I was having a conversation not long ago with my sister where she said, you know, sometimes I feel like we commercialize our faith and we just need to lead people to Jesus. And I think we do that sometimes in our families. We think we have to have this thing or do that thing or or participate in this program to be able to pursue holiness. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's about bringing our family to Jesus. And, and that's what Advent is all about, getting closer and closer to Jesus. There's great joy, I think, when we try to simplify in some sense that pursuit of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, as this final episode concludes, as as we we live this final week of Advent, as you finish reading the pages that Sister Miriam has so lovingly written and and the words that she offers to us to contemplate the majesty and the mystery and the beauty of our healing, and I would encourage you to, to think about in a couple of different ways all of the different things we talked about this season. Mary as as one who leads us closer to the healing hand of God, Joseph as protector, Jesus the child as this opportunity to sit in wonder and awe of God's goodness, our holy families being images of the holy family, but also into the world, a, a transforming presence to show others the pursuit of Jesus Christ is what we ultimately need most of all. I would leave you with just a couple of thoughts in this final week of Advent and as we get closer to Christmas. The first is simply this. Sometimes we complicate Advent. Sometimes we we make our Advent pursuits busy. In these final few days leading up to the birth of our newborn king, get quiet. Sister Miriam talked about this in her first week. Get quiet. Get get small. Allow yourself to just rest. We're in the O antiphons uh, at, at Mass and, and we can really contemplate that simplicity and that majesty, the silent night that's coming as it were. So I I would encourage you to get quiet. 
The second thing I'd encourage you to do is, is to really, you know, a couple times this week, after the kids go to bed or after you, you know, wrap all the stuff up in the house and close the house down and click out your email or you leave whatever Christmas party you've gone to or, you know, you worry about how many gifts are under the tree and is everything wrapped and did I forget somebody? You know, all the stuff that, that tends to pile up. Sit down in your living room, wherever your Christmas tree happens to be, which I hope is lit up at this point. Light your Advent candles and just bask in the warmth of the light, the light from the tree, the light from your candles, and and contemplate the majesty of the light that's coming into the world and allow yourself to, in some sense, kind of be overwhelmed by the beauty of this light. You know, again, it kind of goes hand in hand with that first suggestion of getting quiet, of getting small, of allowing the Lord to speak to you. And then lastly, you know, in this final week of Advent, Sister Miriam has led us through this healing process where we've talked about forgiveness and we've talked about woundedness and we've talked about healing in our families and how we can pursue holiness with our families, whatever those families look like. And is there maybe somebody before Christmas that you need to reach out to, to apologize to, to forgive? Somebody that there's a rift and you want to rebuild that bridge. Maybe a place in your heart that you've kind of been avoiding because you know it's tender and it hurts to touch and and you need to, to look at it and to to expose it to the light so that healing can be found. Where is that last place of healing that you need to seek? You know, we are so excited that you walked with us on this Advent journey. This has been a a real delight to get to lead you through these conversations and hopefully help you contemplate some of the beautiful things that Sister Miriam wrote. We're always so grateful when you listen to this this show. Ave Explorers is very much my, my podcasting baby, and I'm so proud of all the stuff that we create We're going to be off for a little bit as we prep our Lenten season, which we'll be walking through Father John Burns' Lenten Reflection book. So I'm so excited to dive into that come February. If you really enjoyed this Ave Explorer season, it's not too late to share it with people. Just send them a link and they can listen to all of these episodes. Sister Miriam and I will be in your inbox for Christmas with just a quick little Christmas video and recap and saying Happy Christmas to you. So sign up for those emails over at AveMariaPress.com. If you're not already, subscribe to this podcast, give it a rating and review, share it with your friends. That would be a great Christmas gift to us at Ave Maria Press. And know that we're praying for you in this last and final week of Advent. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.